Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is I'm John Fugelsang. Welcome to Channel 127. So glad to be with you here. And it's only Tuesday. For the next three hours, we're taking your calls. It's been a bit of an eventful day. We're at 866-997-4748. Thank you, Public Enemy, for being an excellent lead in. 866-997-GRIT. That's our number. Chris Houselt is our heroic executive producer running this thing from South Carolina. Thea Harper produces us from Brooklyn. I come to you from Manhattan. And tonight we have a packed show with some great guests for a day of history. Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman from the state of New Jersey will be here to talk about her vote to oust Kevin McCarthy. And she'll also talk about how her party just saved the government from shutting down. The great David Korn of Mother Jones will be here to discuss how Kevin McCarthy got to this exact moment and why he deserves everything as deeply as he does. And Heather Digby Parton will join us in the third hour, well, to talk all about this Republican Michigas, as well as uh, some headlines that didn't make the news today. We've had some technical difficulties over here, but I think we're all set up. Things are looking good. So let's get right to it. For the first time in U.S. history, a Speaker of the House has been fired. The good news? It's not going to slow down the Republican legislative progress in any way. On January 6th of 2021, Kevin McCarthy late in the evening, voted to try to prevent Joe Biden from becoming president. He did this along with over 100 other Republican congressmen by voting to throw out the will of the American people in two particular states. It's important to remember, Kevin McCarthy was disqualified before he ever started. He groveled before Trump and spent a long time sewing his lips to Trump's gigantic Big Mac-laden ass. He spent months trying to normalize Marjorie Taylor Greene to get this gig, It took him 15 humiliating tries to become speaker. And of course, the only thing worse than Kevin McCarthy's attempts to become speaker were Kevin McCarthy's days as speaker. He has lost the fight to keep his leadership post as we speak. Lawmakers in his own party decided to oust the California Republican from the speakership. 
They're going to tell you Democrats did this. We'll get to why that's a lie later on. But what matters is he's been ousted from his speakership 216 to 208. The last time a speaker was removed this fast was over 100 years ago. Uh, Chris, do we have the footage? To, uh, we're not going to go to any audio clips just yet, so let's just talk about it. This rebellion was led by a conservative hardliner and uh, alleged fan of trafficking underage girls and paying them by a Venmo, Representative Matt Gates, who did bring a Holocaust denier to the State of the Union address. He has delivered this house into chaos. McCarthy, as you guys know, he'd, he'd really infuriated a, a small number of hard-right congressmen by working with Democrats to avoid a government shutdown. So those hardliners, being hypocritical imbeciles, worked with Democrats to fire him. I just, I, guys, I can't even. There's so many layers of hypocrisy and stupidity. But this is the first time in U.S. history a sitting speaker has been removed by their own colleagues. Now, the Republicans have an incredibly slim majority in the House. And Kevin McCarthy's fate was really in the hands of Democrats. And they decided not to save him. Don't miss that distinction. Democrats didn't vote to get rid of him. Republicans initiated that. Republicans initiated the policy where they could do it so easily, and they started the motion to vacate. Democrats only let them do it. They did not vote to save him. McCarthy's fate could have been in the hands of Democrats, and they decided not to. Why? Maybe because he's a feckless, amoral tube stake who's trying to impeach Joe Biden with no evidence to appease the members of his own party who hate him, and he lied to Democrats in negotiations, and then lied about them on Meet the Press. Uh, Catherine Clark just the other day said, Speaker McCarthy admitted defeat. He asked Democrats to put out the fire that he and his party started. <laughs> Think back to Kevin McCarthy's actions on January 6th and his trip down to Mar-a-Lago to grovel before Trump and his attempts to discredit the January 6th committee, how he just completely reneged on his own debt limit deal. Abigail Spanberger, moderate Democrat from Virginia, said, Kevin McCarthy is among the most unprincipled, untrustworthy people I have ever encountered in the entirety of my life. And I think he does damage to this institution and our democracy. There were more. Representative Jason Crow said, Kevin McCarthy is removed. There's no speaker. We're in recess. Extreme MAGA Republicans have chosen chaos over governing. Every time the Republican Civil War is theirs to fix. Congressman Malcolm Kenyatta said... Kevin McCarthy tried to impeach Joe Biden and got kicked out of his job instead. Sometimes karma works fast. I know, they're all Democrats. Well, let's listen to an extreme right-winger like Dan Crenshaw, who tweeted today, and again, you know if I'm actually quoting Dan Crenshaw on this show, he said something honest. He did. He wrote, if you're voting with every single Democrat in the House to oust a Republican speaker, it's not about winning for your constituents. It's not about winning for conservatives. Based on all the fundraising emails we are seeing, it's only about personal attention. There are people who fight for you and people who fight for your attention. Big difference. Kevin McCarthy was trying to stay alive, going around talking about how he uh, saved the government, how it was him who saved the government from being shut down when it wasn't. It was Hakeem Jeffries. All he did was, well, prove that the right really is a fan of cancel culture when they get the chance. Representative Patrick McHenry from North Carolina has been appointed to take over as Speaker Pro Tempore of the U.S. House, temporarily replacing McCarthy until they vote on who the full-timer will be. This appointment of Patrick McHenry was made by Kevin McCarthy himself. Under House rules, he has to submit a list of names for temporary replacements if he gets fired. And so today he had to do it after a motion filed by Matt Gates passed. Again, McCarthy is the first House Speaker in our country's history to be removed 
in this fashion. You know what other rule Kevin agreed to? We should all remember, it was Kevin McCarthy who allowed the rule change that allowed one member to move to vacate the chair. <laughs> Guys, the fundamental purpose of politics is, is, is to work together for the well-being of our citizens, not to constantly be waging a power struggle. But as I've said many times about this current version of the Republican Party, guys, in a cult of selfishness, don't be surprised when the selfish cult members turn on each other. Now let's talk about the hypocrisy. Eight Republicans joined with the Democrats to oust him. Buck, Biggs, Burchett, Crane, Gates, Good, Rosendale, and Nancy Mace, who really did a good job pretending she was better than these MAGA lunatics, didn't she? She put on a good little drag act of moderate. But when Kevin McCarthy headlined a fundraiser for Nancy Mace less than a year ago in the final days of the midterms last year to get her elected. He showed up and said she was the conscience of the conference. And today she was one of eight Republicans who voted him out. And they ousted McCarthy for working with Democrats. And they did it by working with Democrats. I just, I, I, guys, I, I can't even. Kevin McCarthy is being attacked by these Republican radicals they say because he's too much of an institutionalist. Norm Ornstein had a great piece on this today. Uh, he says, in truth, there has never been a speaker in our lifetimes more contemptuous of the institution. Think about it. I mean, guys, think about how much Kevin McCarthy is not an institutionalist. By standards of basic civility, he's a lawless punk. He sold out your Congress and he sold out your Constitution over January 6th. He destroyed Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney because they told the truth. And the ones who lied and caused this violent terrorist attack on our Capitol, he protected. He doesn't give a rat's ass about the institution. He pulled Democrats off of committees, not because they lied or did anything wrong or broke the law, but because they were too powerful and spoke truth to power a bit too well for him. And he kissed Donald Trump's ass with super glue on his lips after January 6th and did everything he could do to give Donald Trump more legitimacy. And he did everything to give Marjorie Taylor Greene more legitimacy. He started this ridiculous impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden with no evidence. And he had to start it himself because he knew he put it to a vote. His own Republicans wouldn't approve it. He's protected George Santos. What? A year? Over a year. And, and all of the offensive things that Lauren Boebert's done and Paul Gosar's done and Marjorie Taylor Greene. He's just kept his mouth shut for all of it and played dumb. No. It's not that he's an institutionalist. These eight Congress people were just mad that he's not as amoral and shitty as they are. I mean, eight Republicans removed Kevin McCarthy. That's what happened today. Eight Republicans removed him. <laughs> 208 Democrats just chose to not save him from removal. Let me play a, a clip or two, if I can, right now. Chris, we're okay to roll something in here. I want to play uh, one clip. Here's McCarthy on TV earlier today, already trying to rewrite history before the ink is dry. Well, I get removed because four or five Republicans join with all the Democrats. I mean, that's the question here. If 98% of the conference wants you to be speaker, but you create a Congress where four people can determine if they work with the other side, how strong is the continuity of your government itself? And think for one moment. Last week, we were hemorrhaging on whether we would shut down or not. I made a decision to take a risk to keep the government open. At the end of the day, if I am removed from speaker because I kept the, the troops from getting paid, they're able to be paid and the border agents able to be paid, 
you know, that's a fight worth fighting for. I've always said I will fight for the American public, and that's exactly what I did, and I'll continue to do that and let the chips fall where they may. That was beautiful, except uh, he said the word me instead of the words Hakeem Jeffries, because that's who kept the government open. That's who kept the checks being sent. And it didn't help. He lost his job by the end of the day. And he's already announced this evening that he will not run again to try to get the position back. I bet he could get it. He could, he could announce that he's running for it by tomorrow and the backlash would be so fierce. I bet he could get it. A friend of the show, Pramia Jayapal, had some words and guys, honestly, I, I have not heard a Democrat sum it all up as cleanly or as simply as the great lady from Seattle. Give a listen to Representative Jayapal. They are destroying our institution. What does that mean? Does that mean voting present? Like, how is this going to play out? We are are not voting in any way that would help save Speaker McCarthy. So either present or voting against him. This does impact Democrats in a sense, right? I mean, you guys are trying to fund the government. You're trying to pass the farm bill. You're trying to pass a Democratic problem. As much as anybody out here might want to make it a Democratic problem, this is not a Democratic problem. This is a Republican problem. They supposedly have the majority. They should be able to pick their own speaker. Our speaker is Hakeem Jeffries. It always has been. It it was for 15 rounds. It will continue to be. So does that mean here that just nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy? Nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. (laughs) Nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. And why should we? He has broken his commitment over and over again. And it's not just the deal with President Biden. It's not just the Ukraine funding, which apparently was also a deal, but then it wasn't a deal on, you know, unless we secure the border. It's also going back to January 6th. And I think for a lot of us, we we were here. It is still deeply emotional for us because it is about our country. It's about why we came to Congress. And Kevin McCarthy stood on the House floor and said one thing and then talked to Donald Trump and immediately did something else. He has supported the insurrectionist president that enabled January 6th to happen and tried to obstruct the peaceful transfer of power. So there are a lot of reasons to not trust Kevin McCarthy. You could probably go back before January 6th, but certainly January 6th uh, was was a a really key example. And the most recent history of how he's governed as speaker is another example. She's great, isn't she? I I wanna play just one more really quick clip. And this is the actual motion to vacate. Just because this has never happened before, on camera in our country's history. Um, Here it is. Do we have this clip, Chris? The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. That was the sound of MAGA becoming a failed political movement. This would not have happened under Speaker Pelosi, guys. It wouldn't. Again, I've said it before, she was 173 years old and she had a caucus that ranged from the leftists in the squad to right-wing Democrats who oppose abortion rights from Texas. This never happened under her leadership. She kept her caucus together. A message discipline that I didn't think was possible after the Bernie fan, Hillary fan, great civil war of aught 16. But she did it. And this won't happen under Speaker Jeffries when the day comes that the Speaker's gavel flies into his hand like Thor's freaking hammer flying into Captain America's. MAGA failed. They wanted to shut down the government. Trump wanted them to shut down the government because, well, I think you know who Trump takes his instructions from. McCarthy worked with the Democrats to keep it open. So they got rid of him. And now they're back on track to shutting down the government. Guys, 
because of Kevin McCarthy's labors, we are now 45 days away from a government shutdown. And the House decided to go on recess until next week. Guys, I'm exhausted from this day. I, I don't get to take the week off. Jesus, this is why we should only pay Congress minimum wage and see how they like it. Half of them live off the tips anyway. Speaker McCarthy will go down in history as the weakest speaker in the history of this country. He's certainly the weakest and worst speaker of the last five. And the last five are Gingrich, Hastert, Boehner, and Ryan. Think about that. Gingrich, the most amoral speaker you can imagine. A guy who looks like a weeble with plastic Fisher-Price person hair. Hastert, the child molester, the wrestler molester. I don't know why that didn't catch on. Boehner, the permatan drunk, or Paul Ryan, Mitt Romney's mini-me. All of them left the speakership in disgrace. All of them. None of them were thrown out by their own caucus. So congratulations, Kevin. As the Republicans said back at their 2012 campaign, you built this. Was it worth gluing your lips to Donald Trump's gigantic ass? We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Sean in California. Sean, thank you for waiting on hold. Welcome. Hey, you know, um, this is, of course, a monumentous moment in history, but I have to tell you, I'm, I'm happy about it. You know, all the people wondering, you know, it, by the way, you and I had talked about this months and months ago, and I probably talked with Dean and whoever else I was calling, you know, yelling out in the streets. You know, the, McCarthy was the most frickin', you know, coward, biggest coward in the history of a speakership. You know I what agree. these Republicans always would say to people, right, John? Make those twerps behave. Right. They would always tell us, make your twerps behave. Well, you know what, McCarthy, make your twerps behave. You got a bunch of traitorous, you know, uh, maggot loving Donald bin Laden loving, you know, coup attempting loving people, you know, that thinks that the election was uh, rigged and fixed because they lost. Yeah. And so my point is, you know, hey, you got exactly what you deserved. And by the way, going way back, and I want to go too far back, they kept uh, courting these crazies. You know, way, even in uh, Reagan years, Newt Gingrich was huge, and then, you know, of course, W, they still were courting these crazy people because they knew that was the only way they could win elections. <laughs> when I yeah. say crazy, I just mean... No, I know what you mean. I know people. what you mean. I know what you mean. No, my friend, this is what yeah. we're looking at right now. I, I, as I say, it's like, it's like the most insane part of the comments section came to life and ran for office and got elected. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. And, and I'll tell you what, is that, you know, McCarthy is the exact kind of transactional politician. He's, he's, he's being all mad because it's transactional. No, he went into Congress to come out and be a lobbyist and make millions of dollars. Well, guess what, buddy? Bye-bye. That, that dog won't hunt. You blew it. You blew it. I don't think he blew it at all. Stupid. I think Kevin McCarthy has a long, lucrative career as a lobbyist ahead of him. How are they going to, what are they going to lobby for? He's Who gonna, are they going to lobby you don't, with? You the don't Democrats? Think, you don't think 
this bought and paid for political culture of legalized bribery we have, you don't think they're going to reward Kevin McCarthy for his years of loyal service, putting corporate donors ahead of American families' needs? Kevin McCarthy well, let me is going to be like John. Ba- Listen, John Boehner, same thing. They're set for life. Paul Ryan, same thing. You serve well, I- the corporate oligarchs enough. It doesn't matter how disgraceful your fall from grace was. They will take care of you. Okay, well, I'll agree with you, whoever's going to give him some gold bars and bags of cash. But let me yeah. tell you what he's not going to do, because the Republican Party just screwed the pooch, you know, obviously with the, the Roe v. Wade thing. that You and I both thought they wouldn't be stupid enough to do it. I remember talking to you about yes, it. Sir. But they did uh-huh. it. And guess what? Yeah. And, unless we, the people voting, are just too stupid to understand what's going on, uh, we're going to have normal, at least somewhat normal people in there passing policy decisions. But McCarthy, yes. what he did that, that, that normally would have been great is they kept the Republican Party going strong. And then when the Republican Party is strong, but in them, you know, winning here and there, winning, losing a couple elections, winning, they make tons of money. In this right. case, I think they may punish his ass. Sean- and I'm yeah, not I think kidding. Uh, well, we'll see. I don't know. I think he's going to have a very, well, very he's soft got landing. Money. When it, when he's he's going to have a soft landing when it comes to soft money. More he'll, money he'll than fun. Trump. We got to hit a break, man. Yeah, he might by the end of this <laughs> month. We got to hit a quick break. Yeah. I thank you, sir, for your call. If you're on hold, please Thanks, stay sir. right there. We'll be back in just a moment with uh, one of the heroes of our government this week, Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman of New Jersey, and your calls at 866 That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. This is Sirius XM. I'm John Fugel saying welcome to Progress. Channel 127, thank you so much for being with us. Our number is 866-997-4748. 
You know what happened today in American history? The Biden administration announced major drug companies, including Johnson & Johnson, Merck, and Bristol-Myers Squibb, have finally committed to participate in Medicare drug price negotiations with the federal government. Yes, an actual story about the government making change to help American lives. And it didn't catch any headlines because of you know who. Let me quote my next guest who wrote, no wonder House Republicans refuse to work with Democrats. They can't even govern themselves. That is Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman, who is currently serving her fifth term in the U.S. House of Representatives, where she represents New Jersey's 12th district. She is the first black woman to represent New Jersey in Congress. She's a member of the Appropriations Committee and serves as chair of the Policing, Constitution and Equality Task Force in the Congressional Progressive Caucus. We are always thrilled and honored to welcome Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman back to Sirius XM. Congresswoman, good evening. Good evening. Such an honor to have you with us during such an historic week, and it's only Tuesday. Let me begin by, by, by saying you were asked if you'd vote to oust McCarthy, and you said, I have no reason to save him. I've been correcting a lot of folks, Congresswoman, who've said, oh, the Democrats got rid of him. I've said, no, the Republicans got rid of him. The Democrats chose not to save him. Can you tell us a bit about what the process was like of your caucus coming together on this vote? Well, first of all, my caucus and every every one of us is sad that this has happened to an institution that is so vitally important and vibrant for our uh, democracy. So no one took this possibility, which became an eventuality, uh, for granted or lightly. But with, there was no place for Democrats to become part of the action in this scenario. We're not in a majority. We didn't elect Speaker McCarthy Speaker. We voted solidly for Hakeem Jeffries. And there was no reason uh, to get involved to try to save a person who's not been truthful with us, who's not respected our position, who's gone back on his word, and who even... Over the weekend, after Democrats came in and, and voted in the, uh, unanimously for the uh, continuing resolution to ensure that government wasn't shut down, he went on a um, major network and blamed us. I couldn't believe it. We were responsible. And so that kind of disingenuousness and... Um, sort of mindlessness and soullessness and, you know, unprincipledness didn't deserve any attempt to save on behalf of of Democrats. And Congresswoman, if no one's thanked you yet today, let me thank you for the fact that we had a government open to oversee this strange pageant of rejecting the Speaker of the House. You tweeted earlier, today is a sad day for America. Instead of passing meaningful policies to benefit working people, Republicans have chosen to throw the House into disarray. Despite this chaos, Democrats will continue to put people over politics. For our listeners, Congresswoman, I'm I'm dying to ask you what the mood was like in the room during all of this. I've been trying to guess what's been stranger for you, the 15 votes McCarthy went through to get the speaker's gavel or the very strange process his own party used to take it away from him. It just it doesn't seem like the sort of thing you were sent to Washington to deal with. Well, absolutely not. I mean, we were sent there to 
continue to pass the kind of legislation we've passed and the president signed into Congress from the 117th um, Congress that makes life better for Americans and protects people who are most vulnerable and that ensures that they have access to health care and prescription drugs and things of that nature, who we vote to relieve the debt upon students, the onerous debt upon students, things of that nature, protect our climate. Um, And what we've experienced in the last nine or 10 months has been sheer chaos, a lot of um, just evil messaging on the part of Republicans, very little uh, public policy to make life better for anybody. And the two times we did some major uh, bailout of our government, it took the Democratic majority to vote, whether it's the debt ceiling or the continuing resolution. And so they've shown us under McCarthy's leadership and with a whole bunch of folks beneath him buying into it that they're not capable or desirous of governing. They want law power. They want it to consolidate power, to weaken our democracy. They want it to make the folks who are rich, richer, and those who are vulnerable, more vulnerable. They don't care about what's happening with our climate, our our communities, our states, um, because of climate change. It is it, it's just glaring that they're not good for America. They're not good for our democracy. Well, they're and against democracy. Today was an example of it. Amen. And they're not fans of democracy abroad, Representative. I, I admire how you held the line against this unworkable agenda. I've consistently said if Republicans had policies they wanted to enact that would help working Americans, they'd be talking about that. But they don't. They're talking about Hunter Biden. And yeah. now they're, they're talking about defunding the Ukraine resistance against Vladimir Putin's genocidal invasion of rape and slaughter. Uh, how much of a factor in these negotiations between Republicans was the fact that some of them want to withhold funding for our allies under siege in Ukraine? Listen. We have always said, and especially under the leadership of Hakeem Jeffries, we are willing to work in a bipartisan manner if we are going to work um, with the positive outcomes, outcomes that are going to address our domestic needs, our domestic protection, as well as, as our Ukrainian allies. That's not just an altruistic act on our part, protecting Ukraine from Russia is protecting our safety and security here in the United States of America. It's protecting our NATO allies who are closely uh, located near near the Ukraine. So it doesn't make any sense that our Republican colleagues do not see the necessity in supporting Ukraine. But not supporting Ukraine was definitely an, an issue. But it's not the only reason that we came to this position today. Republicans have been fighting with one another so much that there's been very little governance. Votes have been postponed at the last minute, canceled at the last minute, because mm-hmm. they can't come up with their own votes, even though some of the legislation that they were proposing was so awful and so ugly that Democrats wouldn't have voted for it anyway. So they couldn't even get out of their own way. And now, you know, here we are in an unprecedented situation, historic situation, never happened before. 
we don't have a speaker. We've got a speaker, an acting speaker, and I think one of his first acts was to tell Nancy Pelosi to move out of an office. Yep. And she wasn't even here to vote. She's here. She's with the Feinstein family as they're going through their mourning. You know, if this is an illustration of, of where this acting speaker is going to go, then it's not going to be any better, but it won't be any worse. Congresswoman, how would you like to see President Biden talk about this Republican Congress? How, for the campaign, should he frame this and and describe the kind of opposition he's up against? Because I, I just don't see any prioritization of non-millionaires happening out of this entire caucus. So I think that there's some really great ads out right now that uh, speak to the accomplishments of the Biden administration, how it impacts saving costs for people, how it puts people over politics, how it addresses the climate needs, supply chain needs, manufacturing needs, you know, things that will make our economy stronger, our uh, families more prosperous and safer in our own community. I think that he needs to continue to talk about also the things that, that, that we've accomplished under his leadership. I think most recently he started speaking about the impact of, of sort of MAGA Republicans who don't have any respect for democracy and just want power for the sake of power. And I think he needs to continue to do that. But let Joe Biden continue to do his job. He's, he's been one of the best presidencies we've had in, I, I don't know, how many years, decades. I agree. And I agree. We, should, we should collectively be touting those outcomes, those efforts that have successfully made life better for the citizens of this country, from the rural to the urban to the suburban, you know, just things have, have, have are safer. We're safer from a pandemic. We're safer from health care issues. We're safer from unsafe communities. And if there is a Democratic-controlled House, and a Democratic-controlled Senate and a Democratic administration will be able to get even more things done, including better gun safety legislation. Mm. Bonnie Watson Coleman serves New Jersey's 12th district in the House of Representatives. She has just voted to keep the government running. She has voted to remove Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy. She's had a very busy week, and it's only Tuesday. Congresswoman, I hope you get to take a break. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Well, you know that Republicans have shut down our voting for the next three days, so we'll go back to our districts and communicate with our constituents. Thank you for having me. We look forward to having you back. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. And we are going to take a very quick break. When we return, we'll be joined by the great David Korn of Mother Jones Magazines and to take your calls at 866-997-4748. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I am so pleased to welcome this next guest back to our airwaves. David Korn is one of the greatest political journalists in the game. He's a veteran commentator. He is the Washington bureau chief for Mother Jones and an analyst for MSNBC. And he's written four New York Times bestsellers, including uh, Russian Roulette, the inside story of Putin's war on America and the election of Donald Trump, as well as Showdown, the inside story of how Obama battled the GOP to set up the 2012 election and the book I'm just crazy about, American Psychosis, his most recent, which exposed the deep rooted Republican history of weaponizing the rage and derangement of low information, right wing white folk. It is always an honor to welcome David Korn, especially on a day of history. Back to Sirius XM. Hello, David. John, and you're wrong about that. Downbound Train is the most underrated song of Born in the USA. Ooh, gutsy call. Gut- you know, I had Chris Christie on the show and I asked him what was the most underrated Springsteen album. And he said Born in the USA. And I what? said, no, I said, no, Governor, the most underrated, like I'm expecting he's going to say magic or something, you know, and he says, yeah, it's the most underrated. And I'm like, you you don't know what words mean, Chris, do you? Um, <laughs> he certainly doesn't understand the lyrics. That's all we know. But can I tell you, I thought of your book all day, Mr. Corn. I thought of American Psychosis because you had a tweet a couple days ago from the Tea Party to Gates. It's a straight line of Republican extremists devouring establishment GOPers who seek to exploit extremism to gain power. It's now an inevitable reckoning. I mean, we can trace this back to John Birch Society fuckery, can't we? Yes, we can. The Republican establishment has always tried to gain power by encouraging and exploiting far-right radical extremism. That's what the Goldwater did back in the early 60s with the John Birch Society. It's what uh, Reagan did with the religious right. And, you know, in the modern era, we might call it that. It's what John Boehner did with the Tea Party. The Tea Party was far right, so know, true. pushing you know, grievances and conspiracy theories. Its unofficial leader was Glenn Beck, and on Fox News every night, he was saying that Barack Obama was setting up concentration camps. He wanted to destroy the economy That's right. so that he could become emperor. Right? And Boehner welcomed the Tea Party into the Republican coalition because he saw votes there and donations there for Republicans. And he rode that tiger into the House speakership. And five years later, he was gone. He lasted a lot longer than Kevin McCarthy. We have to give John Boehner that. But then he was a much more skilled politician than Kevin McCarthy uh, is. I guess we can say was. Mm -hmm. He seems to be out of this line of work, more or less now. And... um, you know, but but it was basically we can we can use the extremists to get what we want to get where we want, and actually they took over the party and chased uh, John Boehner out and then chased Paul Ryan out, and That's then it. we saw earlier this year the only way that Kevin McCarthy would become speaker was basically giving his speakership, you know, put, placing it in the hands of Matt Gates and a few others. And, you know, rather than sort of eschewing extremism, you know, uh, accepting it. And, it, you know, it, the real thing here is it's really not just about accepting Matt Gates; It's accepting Trumpism and the violence of January 6th. Once you make your party 
a party to the big lie about the 2020 election and downplaying the violent insurrection, you're kind of on the path to this. It shows you don't believe in truth, you don't believe in governance, you don't believe in responsibility, and if that's the basis of your rise to power, it's going to have a hard time sustaining it. Because it's true. In, in, in an extremist environment, there always will be someone more extreme than you, and that will put you at risk. And that's exactly what happened that's to it. Kevin McCarthy. Exa- you nailed it. You nailed it. I, I keep thinking from Gingrich I guess to I Hastert. <laughs> no, I got a few more things to tug on your coat about. But like I, one thing I think about is Eric Cantor. You know, you mentioned yeah. Boehner. I'll raise you Eric Cantor because here's the story of Eric Cantor. This guy went up to the White House every week, sat down with Barack Obama and said no to everything. But the, 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 the Dave Bratt rule is there's always someone crazier and more racist and angrier than you. Dave Bratt ran against him primaried him in his own district saying, can you believe that Eric Cantor goes and meets with Barack Obama every week? If you send me, I'll never sit down with Barack Obama. And literally, the guy who tried to make his bones by meeting with Obama and rejecting him every week was ousted by his own district for meeting with Obama in the first place. To me, the Dave Brat theory is a symbol of the madness and why it keeps Republicans from doing their job. Because if they cooperate with Democrats to improve the lives of their constituents, they are going to get primaried by the most batshit element of their base. If they do their job, they lose their job. I mean, that, that's right. And here, here you see today Kevin McCarthy and others blaming the Democrats that they, you know, that they joined with Matt Gates to cause this dysfunction. Well, I don't see any Democrats suggesting bouncing Kevin McCarthy. And (laughs) they were not the ones who brought the government to a near shutdown. They're certainly not the ones who have basically defended the January 6th rioters, which is just an open invitation to more political violence. That's it. They didn't go down to Mar-a-Lago after January 6th and make kissy faces with Donald Trump, as did Kevin McCarthy. I mean, it's, you know, I understand what he's trying to do here, but it's patently absurd. And, you know, it's, I keep going back, this is, you know, in a party, in a cult of personality, which is what the Republican Party is, centered on an erratic, uh, demagogic, authoritarian narcissist like Donald Trump, it's not going to things are just not going to go well and calmly and responsibly within those quarters. It just, yes. it just can't. If you're all there, if you re, the, you know, the raisin detriment of the Republican Party now is basically the restoration of Donald Trump. You're right. And you're right. Kevin McCarthy, you know, that's what Matt Gates is for. That's what and Kevin McCarthy's for, too. And more, as is Marjorie Taylor Greene, as is everybody who voted against McCarthy. I mean, McCarthy's been out there. Basically, you know, running interference or, you know, being the wingman for Donald Trump for the last two years. And the guy's bouncing him. So this is really MAGA on MAGA violence. And it kind of reminds me, for all you historians out there, of what tended to happen with those far left communist parties like Stalinist parties and so on. They end up eating and feeding and destroying each other more than the capitalist running dogs who are, you know, who are supposedly their enemies. And mm-hmm. it's like in, in this world, the people who are closest to you ideologically are the ones who you, you know, fear the most because 
they are your rivals in, I guess, the fight for attention, power, and yep. money from the Republican base. You nailed it. You uh, nailed it. So, so this brings us to Steve Scalise, the guy who said he was David Duke without the baggage, the guy who's been against anything giving dignity to black people or women or gay people, and who had his life saved by a black lesbian Capitol cop. That's Steve Scalise, the guy who committed the crime of actually wearing a mask in the Capitol because he's recovering from cancer. No one thought he was going to jump into this race. But tonight, David, there are reports that Scalise is maybe interested in his recovery of going for speaker. What is that likely to you? Yes. I mean, I think a lot of people will go for it. I mean, I think it, I think it, it, I think it's an impossible job for the reasons we've discussed. You know, it's, this isn't hurting cats. This is like hurting scorpions. You know, it's <laughs> like you want to be your speaker. You want to be house speaker of the Republican caucus, you're basically taking your face and putting it in a jar, jar full of scorpions. Okay, well, maybe we'll look good on your resume, but <laughs> I don't think you're going to last long. And, yeah. But it's, you know, but I think it's, it's, it's irresistible to people who are in the House who are, you know, I, they all think, you know, I can do it. You know, we, we used, there used to be a joke that every U.S. senator, when he looks in the mirror of I guess when he or she looks in the mirror, they see the next president of the United States. That's true. I, I think, you know, <laughs> the, the House version is everybody, at least in House leadership, believes they are the next Speaker of the House. Oh, and God. so uh, I yeah. think it's going to be very tempting for, for Steve Scalise, for Jim Jordan, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of others. Anybody who's being mentioned already. Uh, so it will take a certain amount of restraint and wisdom for someone now who is in that possible position of going for the speakership to say, nah, I don't think so. And since I said it will take a lot of wisdom and restraint, we probably won't see too many people turning away from it. Oh, you're right. Um, Hey, with our final couple of minutes, I just want to ask you about our friend uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., who, you know, I'll always love Ring of Fire Radio. Um, He just had this fundraiser last week with Clapton, which uh, it didn't surprise me, but it was depressing. And it was hosted by this billionaire tech guy and his wife who've been given gazillions to Ron DeSantis. It sort of seems now that RFK Jr. is going to run a campaign financed by foreign money and dark money, primarily focused on swing states, only to hurt Joe Biden. Uh, how, how should Democrats respond to this, David? Well, I think they, I think you should be worried a little bit. The, the, you're referring to a story that I did a couple of days ago about yeah. re- revealing the identity of the people who hosted that fundraiser in L.A. Yes, that raised $2.2 million dollars. People can go look it up at motherjones.com if they want more, know, know more about that. But now, but, but in the time since, Robert Kennedy has hinted, and it's been reported from insiders, insiders within his campaign, that he is likely to announce next week that he will, not, he will leave the Democratic race, the Democratic yep. primary race, and instead run as an independent or on a third-party candidate. Uh, candidacy if you can find a third party that will that will accept and maybe the libertarians will in that case it it's kind of an interesting question if people have just started thinking about it but would he draw more votes or do more damage to biden or trump he's standing amongst democrats has fallen tremendously 
ever since he got into the race, people realized he wasn't really a Kennedy, at least not in terms of values and positions and intelligence. Um, and he's maybe for the same reasons, his standing has gone up amongst Trumpish Republicans. So maybe he takes some votes from Trump. But I tend to think that the key thing here is if there's a if this election is a fight between people who honor and respect democratic institutions and laws and the essence of, of the American Republic versus wannabe demagogue, oh, well, he say he is a demagogue, a wannabe autocratic leader who has an authoritarian plan for his second stab at the presidency, then it's best to have that fight be a clear fight without yes, too much chaos and, and, and noise. David Corn, we got to hit a hard break, but I, I thank you so much. It's always an honor to have you with us. And please, please come back and see us again really soon. It's going to be a crazy fall. We've got to hit our break right now. Thank you, David. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John saying This is Sirius XM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748. And we are taking your calls all the way till midnight on the East Coast, 9 p.m. on the Pacific, 866-997-4748. Our next guest famously said, I wouldn't care if Biden had one foot in the grave and Kamala Harris was a potted plant. I would crawl on hot coals to prevent that fascist imbecile and his henchmen from ever holding power Again, on a day of history like this, I am so pleased to welcome Heather Digby Parton back to the show. She's a contributing writer to Salon. She's been called one of the leading and most admired commentators of the liberal progressive blogosphere. And she's got lots of great pieces on Salon this week on right wing radicalism, Bidenomics and uh, the Donald Trump speed bump. The Ron DeSantis campaign keeps slamming into what a great pleasure to welcome Heather Digby Parton back to Sirius XM. 
Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. What a day of history. I mean, we had a government <laughs> shutdown that almost happened. We we just had the first time a speaker was kicked out of the position by his own party and overlooked by all of this. Uh, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. The Biden administration finally today has gotten all of the uh, big heads of pharma companies to sit down. Johnson and Johnson, Merck and Bristol Myers Squibb to finally start negotiating for lower drug prices with the federal government. But of course, that didn't get many headlines, did it? It's only Tuesday, <laughs> yeah, I was just Heather. I to say, um, you can't blame people if they haven't heard about that, because uh, I don't know that you may be the first person I've heard all day actually mention it. Well, they won't be talking about it on Fox or Newsmax or OAN. I can I can tell you that. But um, uh, how surprised are you that Matt Gates actually did something for the first time in Congress? <laughs> Yeah, and it's pretty much the only thing that they've actually done. Um, you know, they, they've passed a lot of these sort of, you know, crazy messaging bills that everybody knows aren't going anywhere. Uh, the Senate will not pass them, and obviously Joe Biden wouldn't sign them. But they take credit for it, knowing that their people are, you know, so ill-informed that they'll think they actually accomplished it. So I guess it works for them. They can pretend that they do something. This is a big deal today, and, and I am not surprised to tell you the truth. I mean, I've been wondering... Uh, the one thing that I thought might prevent it was just the fact that there didn't seem to be anybody standing in the wings who would want this hell job of right. Speaker of the House and uh, the leader of this you know, MAGA Republican House caucus. But apparently that didn't really, that, that didn't enter into their thinking, and they actually accomplished it. And, you know, the truth is, is that, I mean, he has not been able to and I'm not sure anybody could. You know, better men than him have tried. Remember going back to John Boehner uh, sure. back a few years ago? He was run out of the out of the Speaker's uh, office um, by the same group. They were called the Tea Party Republicans in those days, That's but right. it's essentially the same group. It's and the same Paul John Berger's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And both of them were much more skilled <laughs> than, than poor Kevin McCarthy, who has really always been kind of a bumbling fool. And so the idea that he would be able to corral these people was always a pipe dream. So, I mean, I've been waiting for this to happen since January on the night when they actually, after 15 Same. votes, actually gave uh, Kevin McCarthy the, the speaker's gavel. And uh, it's finally here. And, Same. you know, to his credit, and, I'm uh, you know, he's not my favorite person. But um, I will say that Kevin McCarthy did manage to get a 45-day continuing resolution done before he, you know, basically yeah. checked out. And um, that's the one good thing he's done. So they have 45 days, and it's probably going to be a big mess, but at least there was that. We're not – the I, government I is shut down right now anyway. I completely would agree with you. You know, I will say I'm sure there are other Republicans who would want the speaker's job and have been angling for it. They've just managed to be subtle enough to not make it all that obvious. I mean, Jim Jordan wants it. I've thought Scalise wanted it for many, many years. Um, I, I don't think that Jim Jordan would be very effective in the job. I do think that Scalise would be more effective than McCarthy, although I, I, I think, uh, you know, a tree would be more effective in the position than McCarthy <laughs> at this point. But, you know, do you think that a different kind of Speaker of the House from the Republican side would either be able to bring these eight recalcitrant representatives to heel or at least would be willing to go and just do business with the Republicans all the time? 
I, I mean, with I the Democrats, I mean, with the Democrats. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think, think so? it's possible. They have this group. Their, their demands are absurd. Their demands are ridiculous. They, 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 if you look at what these people want, and I'm not just talking about the ones who voted, you know, with McCarthy today, the, against McCarthy today. Right. There are other ones that in other situations have been completely recalcitrant and, and ridiculous in their demands. People like Chip Roy, the uh, congressman mm-hmm. from Texas, who was, yeah. used to be Ted Cruz's uh, chief of staff. I mean, the kind of thing that they are asking for is impossible to pass. They, they, can't, they can't actually get any legislation done on the basis of those. And they're all purists who refuse to compromise on anything. This is, it, it's not really the fault of the speaker, except to the extent that Kevin McCarthy was just so ridiculously, you know, I mean, he was such a, you know, a ball, a, you know, a bowl of mush with, with virtually everybody. He was giving away the store in one day to one faction, then another one. He was telling everybody what they wanted wanted to hear and he was basically breaking his word every five minutes to yeah. everyone from the Democrats to Joe Biden to the other Republicans. I mean he was just a mess. But I'm not sure that anybody can do much better because they simply they have a group of people in there. Well, let's just put it this way. They're all MAGA they're a group of MAGA Republicans in the mold of Donald Trump. Remember how well that went with him? Uh-huh. That's what's happening there. And I don't I mean I am you know I'm usually willing to make some kind of prediction about things. But at this point, I, I honestly don't know what they're going to do. And I don't, I don't know how it. it's going to it's going to wind up, because any if let's say that Kevin had done what they what, you know, people sort of thought the Democrats should do, say, say the Democrats had saved him today and had actually they'd had a handful come in and just sort of, you know, well, you know, we don't want to we don't want to change the status quo too much. Who knows what's going to happen? It's too important mm. not to. There were a lot of pundits who were sort of pushing that. Kevin couldn't have functioned as the Speaker of the House and the head of the the Republican caucus with Democrats backing him. I mean, it's clear that that is just a non-starter. But they only have a five-vote majority, and they've got a whole bunch of moderates in in their caucus, too, who are probably going to lose their seats. So we'll see. I mean, I tend to think that they're going to stick with the with the Republicans and not actually cross the line, which they should do. In fact, some of them mm-hmm. should switch parties. They'd be smart to do that, and they'd probably be seen as heroic if they did. But, you know, this is the Republicans we're talking about. They don't tend to do that sort of thing. Um, but you know, you're right. I believe there's more than 10 Republicans in the House caucus who represent districts that Joe Biden won. And yeah. yet he's only got a five seat advantage, which is why he had to appoint this impeachment inquiry, because, of course, if he'd had his own caucus vote for it, the Republicans would have said no. I guess uh, his legacy will be that this ridiculous Hunter Biden impeachment inquiry will still go on, even though he's no longer the speaker. Apparently, I saw um, uh, James Comer interviewed on TV as he was coming out of this caucus meeting tonight where Kevin McCarthy announced that he wasn't going to run again. Um, And he said they're getting ready to go. Now, while the government, while they're trying to do these appropriations bills and everything else, um, you know, people are sort of wondering a lot about what the rules are under this new, you know, acting 
uh, I guess, Speaker Pro Tem, they're calling mm-hmm. it. And uh, he's the one who, you know, his first act was to, to take away Nancy Pelosi's office. I don't know if you That's saw right. that, but you know, real nice. Um, Classic, anyway, yeah. he's, he's making his Especially mark. Especially when she's out of town for a funeral of a colleague. Yeah. Really well played. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really nice. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's laying down his, uh, his marker there. I think we can see where that's going to go. But nobody really knows what the rules are under this person. Uh, because it's never happened before, so everything's sort of in flux, as usual. Um, and so, you know, nobody really knows what's going to happen with that with that impeachment inquiry. But when asked about it, he said, "Oh yeah, you know, we're going to go, you know, full speed ahead, no problem. We're going to get, we want to get. Uh, what would he, I think he even said we want to get Hunter." Biden under subpoena, so that seems to be their real. Oh well, so they are doing dream. the work of the American people. That's great. Then. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, it's very yeah. important that they do that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, working moms can breathe a sigh of relief tonight. Hunter Biden will never be president. Um, and Joe Biden, <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm convinced should never be allowed to be vice president again. They've they've convinced me of this. Uh, absolutely Heather, not. I don't ever want to see him in that he, job. I don't. Again. He and, never gets to go near. Never. He he abused the awesome power the vice president <laughs> has over foreign affairs, which I didn't even know about until now. You, you know, was, I think. It was so powerful that it was kept. A, it was a very well kept secret. That's how. That's how powerful it was. But that's how powerful it is. Hunter Biden. All these crimes and yet zero evidence. They're slippery, Heather. They're really slippery. I know. I know. They're, and Joe Biden. He may be a doddering old fool who can barely speak, but you know, underneath it all, he's a wily mastermind. Well, I mean, Barack Obama was a neophyte in over his head and a socialist mastermind playing 3D chess. So I yeah, I. Yeah, they can do it. I mean, when you when you agree that it's possible to follow both Jesus and Trump, contradictions <laughs> are no longer a problem. I was thinking exactly. how, far, <laughs> how far the GOP have fallen in terms of their speakers is since the last 30 years, from Newt Gingrich to Denny Hastert to John Boehner to Paul Ryan and now to McCarthy. I mean, the wrestler molester looks quite classy compared to the rest of this company. And I mean, well, he's that, the that, only one who wasn't run out of town. He's the only the one, and he was, and he was a sex criminal. And then you, yeah. you know, Boehner, you have this 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 permatan drunk. You have Mini Me Paul Ryan, <laughs> Mitt Romney's Mini Me Gingrich, who who you know looks oh, like a Fisher Price person mastermind. with Fisher Price a weeble with Fisher Price hair. Uh, <laughs> Gingrich unloaded on the eight uh, House members who voted for this tonight. Gingrich said they're traitors. All eight of them should, in fact, be primaried. They should all be driven out of private life. I thought it was interesting that just last November, at the end of the campaign, both McCarthy and Gingrich headlined events fundraising for Nancy Mace, who I guess is no longer pretending to be a sane moderate. She's one of the eight. I know. And boy, was McCarthy upset. (laughs) He was, I would be too. He, he really went after her personally in his, you know, in his uh, swan song speech. I mean, he, Marjorie Taylor Green and Boebert didn't vote to get rid of him, but she did. I know. And, you know, that's, that brings up a question. I mean, not so much Boebert, but Marjorie Taylor Green put all of her cards on McCarthy. I mean, remember she sure that she's been battling with the with the eight and probably there's more like. 20 of them who were really enemies mm-hmm. of McCarthy. She put all of her all of her chips on him. And, you know, she's been, of course, you know, the, the one issue is, you know, uh, help for Ukraine, which she, McCarthy and her were, they were, the two of them were on opposite sides of that. But other than that, she's been a very, very solid, solid ally of, of uh, Kevin McCarthy and Donald Trump. 
And I just wonder what, where she's going to wind up in all this, because she's been in a very powerful position, because she was sort of the ambassador of the, of the you know, far right into McCarthy's office, and That's there's right. no McCarthy's office anymore. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to her. I'm sure she'll land That's on right. her feet. She's one of those people, but, you know. Maybe. I mean, McCarthy did so much to legitimize and normalize her, yep. and now she does not have a protector anymore. I mean, no, she it's doesn't. Be and she made some enemies too within that crowd on both sides, actually. On the you know the semi-normal magas as compared to the you know fascist ultra magas, she was kind of she made enemies everywhere. So we'll, we'll see what happens to her, and I, I I can only hope that it's something really awful. Uh, you know, politically, because uh, she's a truly, truly despicable human being. Yeah, I'll settle for three ghosts visiting her on Christmas Eve and turning into a good person. I'll settle for that. Um, <laughs> okay. You had a gr- you you, sure. you were reading the tea leaves, Heather Digby Parton, a couple of days ago with the Peace and Salon. Kevin McCarthy has officially lost all control of his GOP yep. clown show. Did you ever think there might be a moment where the Democrats might ride to his defense, thinking, "Hey, better this guy than someone worse"? Or oh, sure. you know, was the lying about them on Meet the Press and the Joe Biden? Um, uh, uh, impeachment inquiry, uh, a smear too far. Well, I don't know what, you know, they're all saying that it was, you know, that he said something on Meet the Press that, you know, really, really bothered them because he, he after they bailed him out on the keeping the government open, that he went and trashed them on TV. It's yep. true. It was a very classless thing to do, but come on, it's Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> you know, class and McCarthy don't go together. But um, I, I did wonder if they were going to do it. There was an awful lot of punditry out there saying, you know, well, really, it's for the best, and we need to keep, you know, we're in this midst of this potential government shutdown and the appropriations, and it's not the time, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know... <laughs> It, it, it's it's useless because it wouldn't have mattered whether it was him or somebody else. The problem isn't really, it wasn't really McCarthy. He was the worst at the job, but uh, he, mark my words, whoever comes in is going to have exactly the same problem because it has to do with this crazy caucus that they have and this rump caucus of, of far-right MAGA Donald Trumpites that mm-hmm. are going to cause trouble for anybody who's in there. There's just no way to, to function in there with those people. So I think the Democrats saw that, and I think they realized that, you know, we're just going to have to hope that it's somebody who doesn't want to completely, you know, blow up the government and crash the economy and do whatever yeah. that comes in and, and operates in that speaker's pit place and is maybe ready to do, theoretically, what, what McCarthy did. Because when push comes to shove, I think they'll probably shut down the government, at least for a while. But the same exact problem is going to present itself. And whoever is in that job is going to have to face that. And all they can do, because this is what Boehner did, you know. Boehner also faced this, and he ended up quitting after having put together, you know, uh, it wasn't a continuing resolution, but it was actually a, a budget deal. And then he quit after that. Um, And it's very complicated what happened with him, more complicated than this. But nonetheless, this is kind of what they do. (laughs) You're right. They force the speaker to either step up and do one right thing in their whole lives and give up their, their spot or blow up the country. That's the deal. And I think that that's probably where we're going to be again. You know, it's interesting to think about how Vladimir Putin's plan to make Ukraine Russia again uh, has blown up in his face, wrecked his economy, and has only made NATO stronger. I was thinking about that reading your recent piece from Salon. House Republicans' biggest plan just blew up in their faces, seeing how poorly 
the impeachment inquiry went for people who freebase Fox News and think it's reality. <laughs> I mean, I think if anything, one of the accidental side effects of this is that it's beginning to make media superstars out of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Dan Goldman, Maxwell Frost, and of course, uh, Jasmine Crockett. I mean, those those people really got a chance to shine because of this uh, fraudulent mission. All of them were great. And the Democrats were so well prepared. So they came into that knowing exactly what they were going to do. And don't forget Jamie Raskin, who's the, uh, you know, Amen. the, the um, you know, the head of the Democrats on that committee. Um, these people, uh, you know, were excellent in that hearing, and the Republicans were an absolute mess. They had no idea what they were doing. And, you know, some of that's just because the case they're trying to make is it's complete nonsense. And they don't really have the goods, and they can't really get them. But I think it was worse even than that. They couldn't even fake it. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, in, in Fox World, they don't know that. You know, the, the, they're not presenting that as as what actually happened. I didn't watch Fox and that night um, because I just couldn't couldn't handle it. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure they, they, you know, they covered it as if the, the hearings went really well, but they didn't. They went very badly. And, I, and they're not going to stop. They're going to keep doing it. And uh, I was even surprised. I mean, I have to admit that, you know, I thought it would be sort of Benghazi level, which was bad. Yeah. But there was at least some logic to what they were doing. This was just, it, it appeared that they'd just thrown the thing together. Unbelievably I agree. Bad. I agree. Um, yeah. Again, they just did it to make the Matt Gates wing happy. Uh, Heather, before I, I let you go into that good night, let me just ask about a piece you had the week before last in Salon uh, that I saved. Donald Trump keeps confessing to new crimes. <laughs> Uh, right here with our good friend, my boo, Megan Kelly at SiriusXM, who I'm, I'm hoping I get to be her secret Santa at the holiday party this year. Uh, he can't stop saying uh, that he violated the Presidential Records Act by saying uh, violating it wasn't a violation of it. I mean, he, he just got a gag order slapped on him by the judge in New York because he cannot stop. I, I don't think we'll ever see a judge that would remand him to custody for his violations of a gag order. But how bad is it looking for Donald Trump right now? Well, you know, it's really hard for me to say. I mean, I think to any sane person, you look at the way he's behaving. And, and this week has been amazing. That's the, the sub story. And I think he's probably pretty upset. I'm writing about this for Salon tomorrow. Probably pretty upset at the fact that he got very upstaged by, by his Kevin and that yeah. whole story today. Because he had been planning to, you know, appear at the courthouse at this, at this fraud trial and come out onto the steps and in the hallway and make these ridiculous statements and get a lot of coverage, which he did. Yep. on the first day but today yeah the today it was it was more or less ignored but what he and he got hit with a gag order today i don't know if everybody people have even heard about this but he he was te- he was tweeting or truth socialing in the courtroom lies about the the judge's clerk and saying exactly. that she was uh, Chuck Schumer's girlfriend and saying what what is she doing here and then kind of semi-doxing her, putting her Instagram link up there. And, I mean, it's really a hideous thing to do. And, of course, he got sanctioned for it by the, well, he didn't get sanctioned. He got warned by the uh, by the judge that if he does it again, he'll be sanctioned and, and was told that he's under a gag order. He's not to say anything about the clerk and, you know, any of the staff in the courthouse. But, yep. you know, that the stuff he's been saying about the prosecutor and the judge is absolutely horrifying. He said yesterday, literally said, you need to go after the prosecutor. 
he used yeah. those words, go after the prosecutor. Now, we know that some of his cult followers take that stuff pretty literally. And so it's very dangerous what he's doing. But he can't seem to shut up. And you're right. Exactly. He confesses to crimes all the time. He's continuously just sort of saying, yeah, I did it. So what? I mean, a lot of this just strikes me is that, is that Trump is playing some kind of a game of chicken with the legal system. And I think he's actually somewhat justified in thinking that he may just get away with it. It's because of he's what you just said. He's got 50 years of experience getting away with it. 50 years Absolutely. of experience and they don't, getting away. That, you know, it's highly unlikely that anybody's going to, you know, with the ultimate sanction to people if they're on trial or they're doing this, if they're intimidating witnesses and threatening people, they put them in jail. <laughs> And they're not going to do that with him. And maybe they'll fine him. But, you know, he's got plenty of, of cult members who will send him money to pay for it. I mean, it's not like he it won't even come it's out of true. his own pocket. So, it's, you know, this is a very strange situation. And, and I wish I believed that somehow or another there was some you know, method, some, some, you know, kind of machination that could get him to stop it. But I don't think so. I, I think he's going to keep doing it. I think he's just he's going to do it through all these trials. And it's just it's kind of stunning to see someone just flout the system this way and the, and the rule of law. I mean, I, I'm frankly, even having watched him all these years, kind of stunned <laughs> that yeah. he's taken this tack. And I think he's going to get away with it. I don't know if he'll get away with the verdicts in the trial. That's a different thing. But this the way that he's he's he's, uh, you know, playing the media as the victim here. And he's and he's using the media as a way to to speak to his his constituents who are primed to do violence. I, I've never seen anything like this. It's a shocking lack of impulse control for a man who's as slim at 215 pounds as he is. <laughs> um, Heather Digby, pardon it is always a great joy having you on our show. Everyone needs to read Heather's stuff in Salon. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your doings? Um, I'm at Digby56 on uh, what we on Twitter, the dead name Twitter. I'm at... Um, I'm on Salon uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and on my blog, digbeastblog.net, I'm there 24-7, pretty much. Brilliant. So great to have you with us, Heather. Always a great pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you so much. 